Welcome to the Leadership Conversations podcast. I'm your host, Jono White. I'm the founder and principal consultant of Clarity. We are an Australian-based consultancy that works with leaders around the world, and our passion is to invest in people to become everything they're meant to be in order to fill the world with healthy organizations that people love to work for and customers line up to buy from. The goal of this podcast is to invest in you and your leadership. If you're just joining us for the first time, then feel free to check out consultclarity.org. That's our website, consultclarity.org. We have so many free resources on there, the most popular being our seven questions on leadership series. We've had more than 1,500 leaders from around the world in all different sectors give their in-depth answers on leadership, what books they love, what they found most challenging, uh, the most meaningful stories, how they how they structure their time through the day. That's free, so go and check it out. And we'd love to interview you about your leadership. I believe you have advice from your experience, your context, and your life so far that is important and can help other leaders. It's also a great way to give back. It's free to get involved, and you can do so by going to consultclarity.org forward slash seven dash questions dash interest, or just Google consultclarity.org seven questions interest and fill out the form that pops up. We have a free resource for you on our website. It's called Leadership Survival Guide. It's a 57-page ebook. It has interviews with 10 world-class leaders, and you can go to consultclarity.org. It's right at the top and get that today. Uh, we also have a daily email that we send out to over 15,000 leaders, and that email contains the highlights, our best content from our podcasts, our blog, uh, my book, uh, the books that we're loving that are out there about leadership, it's also the best way to get access to our masterclasses and workshops before anyone else. And there's also exclusive and limited uh, special options just for subscribers. And you can subscribe by going to consultclarity.org forward slash subscribe. Now, my gift to you is to work incredibly hard to provide the best leadership content I can to invest in you and your leadership. So if you're finding our content helpful, if you find this podcast helpful, then your gift to me uh, could be this. If you, if you do find it helpful, then write a review or rate our content and make sure you subscribe or follow. I can't emphasize enough how helpful that is. It really does help us to get the word out there so we can invest in more leaders to become everything they're meant to be. It also means a lot to me personally when people like you and people in our community share our content on social media. So if you do that, then please do look for me, Jono White, to tag me and look to tag Clarity uh, on whatever platform you're on. And our team, including me, I, I'm always looking to see when people have mentioned us so that I can engage with you. And also we look at sharing content. So if you, if you write something about something we've done, there's also a good chance we'll share that with our followers. So if you could do that, that is a massive, massive help as we try to invest in as many leaders as we can around the world. Last of all, you can check out my book about how to deal with difficult people even if you hate conflict. It's called Step Up or Step Out. It's available on Amazon. You can just look up Step Up or Step Out, John O'White, or you can go to store.consultclarity.org forward slash book and check it out there. I 
have coached leader after leader after leader and in more than 50% of the sessions, this topic comes up. How do I deal with this person? I'm finding it really difficult and, and I just want to find a way that doesn't blow up to do a really, just to have a difficult conversation, to lead them better. How do I do that? There's a three-step process that I outline in this book that I believe can help you. Okay, let's get into today's episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast. Enjoy. Welcome to another episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast. Today's guest is Dane Gruneveld. Dane is the Chief Executive Officer at Huddle3 Group. Welcome to the podcast, Dane. Thanks, John. It's really fun to uh, be here and to be talking to a, a fellow Queenslander. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Beautiful part of the world. Uh, but you're not uh, you're not based over here anymore. We'll find out about that in a moment. Um, uh, yeah, tell us about what you do and, and a little bit about Huddle3. Yeah, you bet. Um, so I grew up as a recruiter. And uh, I've had a really interesting career the last, well, nearly, it's just over 20 years now, um, but the last 10 years really supporting a lot of uh, oil and gas projects on a global basis, uh, deploying workforce into different countries, dealing with immigration, dealing with, uh, you know, accommodation, transportation, uh, emergency evacuation of workers in, in some pretty remote parts of the world. Uh, which has been really fun working with big companies, big oil companies. And more recently, I, I left to join a company uh, called PTS Advance, which was a California-based uh, recruiting business, staffing business for the California refinery market. Originally, they were founded in 95. So I joined them as CEO. And through the last four years, we've really started to innovate towards what we think is happening in the future of work as you see this big shift economically, politically, technologically um, around you know, climate change, uh, sustainability at large with diversity, equity, inclusion, um, energy transition, carbon, you know, low carbon transition. There's just so much happening. Um, and, and therefore, you know, my role today is running a group of companies. There's, there's the, a number of staffing companies that we've combined through mergers and acquisitions as the core of the business. Uh, and we've got a software business, a small engineering firm, executive search group, and, and a maintenance group as well. So we're, we're really looking at different ways to improve the human experience in the workplace through all of those changes that I just mentioned. Yeah, that's, that's incredible. Thanks for giving us a bit of an overview. Let's jump into your story, Dane, uh, starting with your childhood growing up. What were some of the moments from that season in your life that really shaped you into the person and the leader you are today? That's a cool question. Um, you know, story-wise, I grew up, I was born in Brisbane. Uh, my dad was a mining engineer. Mum was a nurse. And through the 80s and 90s, there was a lot going on in the mining industry. So we moved sort of every couple of years. I think I had about eight schools before the age of 15. Uh, lived in Kingaroy, my um, dad was a Toronto coal, back to Brisbane, down to Tasmania, which was really cool. Had four years in Tasmania, up to Sydney. And then I moved to the UK when I was 15 and finished out high school there. So for me growing up, 
I think that opportunity to move around, to be um, exposed to different peer groups, school environments, geographies, uh, it, it was really unique. It, it gave me an opportunity to kind of accelerate some learnings. Um, you know, being the new kid in, on the block is it's pretty different when you move from sort of Tas Tasmania, a country town in Tasmania, into the middle of Sydney. Uh, there's there's some real cultural challenges even within Australia as people move around. So I, I kind of got good at connecting with people and um, really learning about where people are at and how to fit in. And I think that that gave me a lot of skills and a lot of appetite, a lot of interest for moving into recruiting and, and the whole world of work and the way that people interact in life. Yeah, it's so interesting you mentioned that. Um, anyone who's been listening to a bunch of episodes in the podcast will be as I am, just story comes up um, for when, when anyone grew up moving around a lot. It's one of dead, and I, I uh, obvious now when you think about it because when you are having to move to a new school, talk about entrepreneurship, talk about like how to face your fears. Like when you're a little a little kid or even a teenager, and you're in a you need to break into a new circle of friends and build new connections. In that formative time of your life, that is skills. I like. I feel like that's another level, like of challenge compared to anything you'll ever do in business because when you're that age needing to work the uh you know the 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 social sort of norms and who's friends with who that is a skill set that if you have to move around a lot as a child it really seems to stick with you and uh, and it comes up so often i've really been surprised by it you're absolutely right i think when you think about those childhood experiences, you're kind of forced to flex your emotional intelligence muscle early on, you know, read the room. Um, you, but you also get this opportunity to be a little bit of a salesperson to kind of reimagine who you're going to be when you turn up in that new town, which is kind of a gift. Stressful, but it's kind of a gift. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of artistry that comes in to teamwork and how you build friends and social circles and it, it is fascinating to, to think that whether the kids have moved around through having a parent in the military or in my case, you know, mining industry or project construction environment. Um, it, it's amazing the opportunities that, that I think some kids uh, are drawn into. I don't think it's true for everyone. I certainly saw a lot of friends that suffered from all of the change. So I think uh, I wouldn't say it's an absolute correlation, but I think for those people with a certain EQ muscle and, and appetite to, to take on the challenge. It's, it's extremely uh, reinforcing mm. as, yeah. as, a proof, as a proving ground, as a foundation. Yeah, I'd agree. It doesn't, it doesn't work out that way for everyone, but if you are wired like that, like you said, if you've got natural, maybe some natural bent towards uh, entrepreneurship or sales or, you know, um, emotional intelligence, it's it just, it's like uh, the ultimate sort of, um, that I think is 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 as a little not only are you so formative, but it's just harder when you're when you're that age. Um, interested to know, Dane, as you reflect, what were can you think of the 
leadership opportunity you had where you felt like you're in the deep end or you had to break through your first ceiling where you had a bunch of people reporting to you or you'd started your own thing or you were responsible for a project and you look back and you probably first really had to work out I would say there's three kind of elements of leadership for me. One was just in my family. I was the eldest of three siblings. So every time we moved, there was a little bit of a role for me to kind of set the tone and play with my brother and sister and find ways for it to make it fun. And my parents, you know, encouraged that. So that was an interesting early opportunity at playing the leadership role as an older sibling. I think then going into schools, the, the sporting field was really where I got opportunities to captain teams and really see what that was all about, you know, starting to have some decision-making, some influence over how we played, how we positioned ourselves in the field, how we bonded as, as teammates. And then I think the really big jumping off point for me was probably actually, you know, later in life, like 29, I think I moved to Houston and I was thrown into running my first full P&L first operation and moving to a new country, taking on a team that I'd never worked with before. That was, that was a really uh, fun and, and challenging growth experience. Yeah, that's full on. <laughs> I always enjoy hearing stories like that where you've sort of got multiple variables of challenge all in one, move countries um, and than ever what what were your biggest learnings in that season um, like you would have had other you would have been doing other things where you had some but now you're you're leading these people you're in a different really there's this weight of responsibility on you what was that like what was the difference and, and what did you learn i think the biggest thing i learned at that time was that i needed to boldly go forth and take action. I think my whole view on leadership is that uh, it's one thing to read all the books and say all the right things and get people excited around a whiteboard or a strategy planning session, but leading with bold actions, acting big, bringing something new to the team that's a win. I think that's, that's really critical for, particularly as a young leader, it's really critical for making an impact, building some credibility, showing you human, you've got to show some vulnerability there too. Um, you know, it's good for the team to see you struggling and grinding it out with them. Um, I think that was, that was really my biggest takeaway that, that helped me a great deal. And along the way for you, who have been some of the men, some of the people that have had the biggest influence leadership journey so far? I've been so lucky on that front. I think from growing up in the house with with dad and watching his career um, as he moved from different mining projects, mining operations, and, and you know, I saw him move into different communities and mum move into different communities. I think mum and mum and dad both played a big role. Uh, I think then moving into some of the representative sports teams I played with some coaches that I thought did a brilliant job of just setting good boundaries, communications, values. And then in the workplace, uh, I've had two really good bosses. Funnily enough, they, uh, 
they both started a graduate program together um, back in 96 and then they were working for different businesses. So um, both very uh, insightful and, and provoking in the way that they embraced talent and, and didn't try and force their way of thinking or doing onto me as I was learning my kind of leadership trade. And, uh, and just gave me a lot of opportunity to experiment, gave me a lot of belief, gave me a lot of resource to go and do things. And, and at the same time, gave me the necessary sounding board when I was a little bit outside of my comfort zone and I needed either some affirmation that I was on track or some redirection to get back on track. Was there any a few things they did? Stories that stand out in your mind with either of uh, in in advice or something that surprised you about how they handled the situation. Um conversation or uh, or just watching them lead through a crisis and, and being amazed any any stories from either of them that pop into your mind i mean the good thing about working with both of those individuals was that we did come through a lot of crises uh mainly positive crises we were growing really fast and we had to quickly kind of run out there and build stuff so that we could keep delivering for our customers for our employees and and i think in I'm just thinking to a specific experience. I think uh, what really helped me was that sitting down to frame out the discussion and say, hey, what are we trying to achieve here? What's, what's the minimum? What's the minimum requirement that we need to hit? And, and let's make sure we knock that out. But what else could we do? And I think in a number of those instances, whether we were trying to deal with an immigration challenge or we were trying to um, win a new contract and price a new bid, I thought it was fascinating that that they would they would be very clear on saying we can't we can't miss this mark, but go and be creative. And I think that opportunity to be creative that's what allows us to really know what we're capable of doing as leaders and as teams. So I think. Mm. I think I saw that from both of those individuals. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, they sound like incredible mentors. What can you think of uh, further along in your leadership journey? You mentioned being 29 in that sort of um, thrown in the deep end, moving countries. But uh, can you think of any aha moments from early in your life in sports to recent where you were sort of in a situation and you made a mistake that you'll never forget, you know, a lesson from that or the penny really dropped around um, something that happened with the team and you were able to have a win that was really unexpected. Are there any sort of stories that come to mind of sort of aha moments for you as a leader so far? I think I'm going through an aha moment right now. Um, you know, it's easy as a leader to be head down on managing your day-to-day business, managing your team. And right now I'm kind of waking up coming out of COVID and realizing that actually the more time I spend out telling stories, sharing stories, listening to stories with not only my staff and my customers, but also just other people in industry, even if they're not in the same industry as me, um, it, it, it allows me to 
as a leader, it allows me to have a very different level of connection with people and to maybe see around a few corners and a few blind spots. I think early in my career, I, I would definitely, you know, head down, be very blinkered in terms of what we were trying to achieve. And sometimes that would come at the cost of not hiring a person, not giving someone a chance, not going into a new market boldly. Um, where, where now I think the, the whole fabric of storytelling is really captivating my attention and it's allowing me to have a much more meaningful uh, interaction with, with, you know, that whole ecosystem that, that we engage with as a business uh, leader. Um, and, and that all of a sudden, if you're sharing that story and you're knowing what other people's stories are, then they start to somehow, you know, sometimes very implicitly, um, sometimes much more explicitly, they somehow kind of throw up this display of, hey, you, you need to think a little bit more carefully on this, or maybe you, maybe you move too quickly through that, um, through that sales opportunity, you didn't really listen to the customer. So I think, I think the whole role of storytelling and, and engaging in the, the community that you're a part of is, has been a big, a big factor for me. Yeah. I, I'm such a uh, big fan of storytelling. I think it's, I think it's underrated in so many ways as one of the, I, I'd almost say it's one of the top five skills for any leader, because if you can, if you can tell great stories, you can communicate things that are uh, otherwise very hard to get across, like the heart of an organization or the vision of where we're going. All, all those things are, uh, are much easier um, through storytelling of um, sentence as much as we'd like to come up with those things. What have you learned about stories like to a listener who's going, Oh, I haven't really thought about this before. What, what advice would you give them about where to start? Uh, just start. It doesn't matter where you start. I think it, you're going to find your authentic self in storytelling. You're going to find your humor, your tone, your timing, whether you need to use props or a whiteboard. But I think you've got to start and just read what type of stories uh, engage response and feedback from, from your audience. And I think I'm learning that a little bit late. You know, I wish I'd done more storytelling earlier in life because it's, it's really interesting. I can walk into an investor meeting and they really like to be strict on numbers and spreadsheets. And, and I've got to tell a story that's a little bit more bland. And then I can walk into a customer and I can get up on a whiteboard and be really animated. I can walk into a team and I can tell a story about how I screwed up when my wife had my, you know, three month old baby on her hip and there was no milk in the fridge and I, I lost my temper in the morning. Um, so you, you can, you can tell stories in so many different ways. I think, um, just starting and seeing what works when is is actually the, the probably the biggest gift to storytelling and you'll you'll find it you'll find what works for you for me personally i think over time i'm probably best when i can get up and, and tell a story that really connects back into my personal life and shows that authenticity or when i'm drawing on the whiteboard i think they're my two storytelling weapons yeah, that, that makes sense. Um, and I love the advice to just start and, and give it a go. Uh, let's jump into Leadership Express. I've got a few questions for you, Dane. The first one is, uh, what's a book that you've gifted, you've recommended it to other people? You know, I've got to admit, I used to read a lot of books and now I'm really hooked on the Blinkist app. 
Um, so I'm sending a lot of uh, links to Blinkist. I don't know if you've come across it, Jono, but it kind of gives you a, a 12 or a 20 minute summary of books. So it gives you the essence of the book. Um, right now, I would say some of the ones that I've been sending out, there was a really good book on partnering recently that I listened to. Uh, I like anything that Dan Pink's doing. I think he's got some really, some good science, but some practical insights um, like when on timing uh, and, and how you sort of time your day and meetings and your activities. So pro probably, yeah, they're, they're probably the two books that stand out to me at the moment. Yeah, that's brilliant. I, I have come across Blink it's brilliant i'm a big fan of summaries because i i go, uh, read a bunch of summaries and then find one and you go this is this could be a game changer and then you actually go and read the whole book i really love that yeah. sort of approach uh there's a great youtube channel actually I've, I've given him a plug a few times um on this uh, on the pod it's called the productivity game and he does animated summaries of productivity business books and if you love Blinkist you'll love his stuff it's um he does about one a week but there his insights really reads the book and comes away with sort of his take on the big idea but always with a bit of a the I feel like sometimes summaries don't really capture the essence of a book but he does it extraordinarily well um so yeah that's another that's another place that's probably where I go the most the productivity game but I, I am, uh, yeah, I think I will check out something like Blinkist. I haven't, I haven't done that before, but I love it. makes sense. Yeah, I love animation, so I'm definitely gonna look up the productivity game. That sounds very cool. Love it. Yeah, he's really, um, uh, like the animations aren't anything amazing, but the way he expresses the ideas in the book, I just, yeah, I, I could watch um, his videos all day long. The way you just essence of these amazing books, one after another. Uh, that's very cool yeah yeah it's cool what's um what's a recent leadership lesson you've learned you sort of mentioned an aha moment that's going on for you at the moment but uh, a recent leadership lesson you've learned for the first time or it's something that you've been reminded of again feedback um one of my coaches one of my mentors that i'm working with right now uh was talking to me about feedback and how it's always been a, a moving target, but it's become even more so through COVID and, and the fact that we've got remote relationships, so many more remote relationships than historically has been the case. So I think being much more timely on feedback when things are going off track and capturing people doing things that are great um, is where I've definitely got some work to do in, in the current sort of business climate. And I can see it, you know, I had my team here in California last week for a big conference. And when you can just walk up to someone and say, hey, it's fantastic that you were able to knock that out this week. It was a great client win or it's fantastic you're able to promote one of your team members. That goes such a long way. But I think as a, as a leader in a busy world, particularly as we've kind of ground our way through the pandemic, um, that's one that, that continues to kind of come up and bite me at the... <laughs> at the occasional moment. Yeah. Feedback is, uh, it's, it's one of those topics as well that whenever I'm looking to see what's trending on leadership, I feel like it's always up there. 
how do you give good feedback? How do you receive? Yeah. Actually, it's usually how do you give good feedback, not usually how do I receive feedback well, which I think is hilarious because it's so true. Of, um, you know, who's out there searching? How do I make sure I take feedback better? Not as many people as how do I really make sure I tell people what's, uh, you know, what's, what's really uh, um, annoying me. Um, but as a leader, I think um, uh, I love that idea. Oh, is it the Dan Pink? I'm trying to think of who it was who uh, wrote this, wrote a, uh, I think it's called Drive. Is that a Dan? Yeah, Pink that's Dan Pink. Yeah. Yep. And, and he talks about one of the things in there is I think is about sort of feedback and this idea that um, the, that no feedback is actually um, more detrimental than negative feedback that people who don't know where they stand on something or feel ignored or disregarded is actually creates problems than, than even just giving negative feedback. And I, I found that such an encouragement to be like, you know, and I say it to leaders all the time. It's like even just, just realizing that giving people that starting anywhere you can to give that feedback. And it's usually best in small you can rather than one big meeting about everything that's gone wrong and you've never gone yeah. there before you know the little bite-sized moments where you say hey um this you know you sent this through to me and I, I this part needs work or i saw how you reacted in that and really need you to to do x y or z differently and realizing actually give it people want to know how they're going they'll often struggle with it and and so we need to learn how to give it but um it's just any anytime i see a leader who doesn't really give feedback it's such a red flag because it there's so many other things that come with it um, yeah you're absolutely right in fact we problems. we had uh dan pink for six hours on friday just passed so i've actually got a bit of his material fresh in mind and he did a brilliant exercise in the room he said um good or bad news which one do you want to get for, which one do you want to give first which one do you think your staff want to hear first and most people in the room put up their hand and said oh you got to give the staff member the good news first and then he said okay you guys are all really smart. Okay, if someone's giving you good and bad news, what do you want to hear first? And everyone puts their hand up saying, I want to hear the bad news first. It was such a visual, interactive kind of statement. And that's when Pink turns around to the whole <laughs> audience and he goes, look, guys, don't think you're so special. Don't think that you as the leader are big enough, brave enough and tough enough to just take the bad news first. Everyone actually wants that. Um, in fact, you're not being brave. You're not being courageous if you're sugarcoating the message to your team members because you're not being fair and truthful to them so i i think i think that's the shift i think you talked about it being able to receive feedback being able to give feedback we've we've got to get a little bit more clear on mm. building that muscle memory one of my favorite um little anecdotes from the podcast was from a, a school principal uh from rockhampton uh, Philip, Dr. Philip Moulds. So a little regional part of um, Queensland. Well, not that little, people from Rocky, but a beautiful, beautiful spot. Don't want to make it sound uh, uh, negative. It's a lovely spot. But um, it's about this idea that he has this filter and he uses his kids' names. And I can't remember what their names are off the top of my head, but say it's like the, the Amanda test for his daughter. And he says the test is um, if this employee was my daughter, what would I want her boss to, to do? And how would I want, how would I want her to be led? And he said, it's well, for your kids, you'd want them to have a boss who actually had the guts to tell them and challenge them. And, yep. and I just thought, I was like, Oh, that's such a 
that's a great filter because as soon as you put you know anyone with kids as soon as you put one of your okay if if if, you know if they were sitting down with me and talking about their boss what would i have wanted how would i have wanted their boss to to deal with them to care for them to challenge them because it is i size is so funny isn't it we're so irrational (laughs) how we do we really are (laughs) we think we're so rational and then that's a one thing did um but it's it's so true that people anyone you know we we want ourselves we're like i want to be challenged i want to know but then we're the leader and we're like oh I hear that. Um, that's 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 so true. Let's go to the next. Um, do you have any favorite questions you ask? You know, you've got a lot of people on your team. You have stakeholders, investors that you'd be meeting with. Are there any questions that you find yourself asking more than others um, as sort of Dane's favorite questions? Yeah, there's there's a lot of good questions um, that I kind of have in the locker that I'll go to. I guess it depends if I'm interviewing someone or I'm sensing what a what an investor or a customer is going after. Uh, I think right now a theme that I'm really interested in is teamwork and and uh, the the interception of people and machines technology in teamwork. So I'm often asking people a lot about you know what what is it that you're seeing what is it that you're excited about in the world of work as you see technology because technology is daunting it's overwhelming there's so much of it all of a sudden but what is it that excites you about how it might impact your your day at work and your day away from work your time with your family your time out doing hobbies and sports that's a big one i'm asking a lot of people right now because it it gives you a sense of where they want to be and and maybe it gives you an idea of how you can help them to get there whether it's a client or a staff member or a partner so that i think that's a, a big theme that that means a lot to me right now and seems to be getting a lot of traction yeah that's a great question i love that um what is a commonly held belief in your industry that you passionately disagree with oh that's a good one if, if i thought about the, I mean, we serve a number of industries. We do recruitment, but we do it for oil and gas industry at large. So maybe if I picked the oil and gas industry, um, I think, I think a commonly held belief in the oil and gas industry is that it's, um, it's not good for the environment. And I think uh, it might sound a little bit of co- bit controversial, but I think that's only one part of the story. And I think that you know it's taken us a hundred plus years to develop this kind of dependence on hydrocarbons Um, and it is a dependence and it's going to take us more than five or 10 years to to move on from it so so i think there's a there's a big opportunity right now for everyone to to sort of widen their belief set as to the role that that hydrocarbons that oil and gas can play in the energy transition i think there's a lot of technology there's a lot of brilliant minds there's big balance sheets that can make a positive difference and um, if we can if we can stop being so polarized in our views of good for the environment bad for the environment and all start meeting a little bit more in the middle on where can we generate innovation i I actually think that um, a lot more good can be done um, a lot more partnering can be done and, and we see some some organizations that are driving that agenda pretty well 
certainly here in the US, but there's, there's more work to do. Yeah, that's a great thought. Um, what, a, what about, uh, you know, what are or challenges that you see CEOs facing across different sectors, you know, in 20, things like COVID, but um, which could be the one you, you pick. But yeah, what's, what's a big problem or challenge for a CEO these days? I actually think it's people. And I'm going to say that because I'm a people guy, but I actually think we've come out of COVID. There's a lot of talk about great resignation. There's this kind of flood of technology. Um, we really tore up the playbook through COVID. And I actually think that's a good thing as much as it's been painful for, for a lot of people to get through. So I think right now getting people excited, engaged, um, focused on where they can be productive, where they can continue to develop their skills and find meaning at work. That's probably one of the biggest challenges any CEO in any sector is going to face because we're, we're in this really unique, I guess every environment's unique. We're in this really interesting time of you know, this high inflation, people have been fatigued through um, all of the change we've gone through. There's a shortage of good talent with all of the demand that's kind of burst out of um, of, of the pandemic. And, and now we've got geopolitical issues like Russia and Ukraine and, and social issues that, that are emerging. There's just so much going on. People are so fatigued and at the same time eager to, to see something different. I, I think any CEO right now has got to be thinking long and hard about what type of experience they're creating for their people. And, and that's not just employees. That's people who may be customers of their business, people who may be partners or vendors of their business. There's, there's a real human, um, there's, there's a real opportunity to drive better human experience right now for businesses. And I think the people who, who rewrite the playbook well are gonna be the, the people who lead companies to, to real success. Yeah, I agree. I think it's a, it's a massive challenge, but it is the ultimate opportunity that if you can uh, you know, crack the code so that people feel even something as simple as feel appreciated. Um, you know, so one thing that's been really interesting for me uh, on that, Dane, I I probably came into doing this big believer in work-life balance. I, I talk about it a lot. And, and, and from doing this podcast and chatting with great leaders who are doing incredible things in all different parts of the world, in all different sectors, I've really changed my mind and I'm now completely on board with this idea of work-life integration. And I think yeah. I think we've got to stop assuming that people are they're not finding enough balance in their life. And we've got to change that thinking and go, actually, what if it and achieving this work-life integration? Because if anyone's experienced that, where you actually really love what you do and you feel appreciated and you're part of a team that's like being part of a winning team that's actually achieving incredible things at work is one of the, one of the best things you can experience in life. Um, change the conversation a bit. And, and for leaders, it's about how do I create, how do I, how do I hold an open hand to a bunch of different variables so that I can find and keep amazing people who, who can have work-life integration with my organization. Right. That's been a revelation for me. Yeah, John, I agree. I think work-life integration is a key part of it. But, and I think 
it goes actually a step further than work-life integration for my employees or my teams. Because if you're going to truly integrate now as a company or a, a, that has employees or has consumers, you need to find a way for that individual to be, to be integrating the work life with their family members, particularly coming out of COVID because there's a lot of families that are, that are carrying fatigue. So it can't just be about the employee or the customer. It's got to be about who they're living with, who they're spending their time with. And, and that is, uh, that that's a hard nut to crack. There's something there. I think as businesses, certainly our businesses are starting to invest much more in how we support our team members to do great things with their friends and family out of work. That's becoming much more central to our general wellness, general employee benefits philosophy. And I think there's a theme emerging, particularly here in the US, but I think Australia, the UK, Europe are all following in suit on, on that theme. Yeah, it's, it's all part of that opportunity, opportunity, isn't it? If you can really, like, if you can imagine someone saying, I work for, you know, I work for this organization. I love what I do. And this, this, and this is really important to me. My family is really important to me. Or being able to travel with friends, you know. It's because it's, we're talking about big shifts. And paradigm shifts that we need to have that, um, people people are going to be breaking new ground and it's going to look crazy and then in 20 years everyone will be embracing it that's i i love that you mentioned that as the challenge people because it's both the biggest challenge and the biggest opportunity um because pe- like you said the great resignation is isn't just about people leaving they're going somewhere they're wanting they're wanting something different they're wanting to be part of something where they feel less anonymous they feel more um like they're, they're, they understand the purpose behind what they're doing. And, and I think leaders you know, having excuses that that's impossible. It's like, it is possible. You just, just got to work out how to crack code to give people that purpose and, um, and to, yeah, to unlock. Yeah. And there's some cool technologies that are coming out in that space. I, uh, I spoke to uh, Suzanne Conrad yesterday who on my podcast actually, and she's um, she was once the director of possibility for Lululemon, the the big retail brand. And she had a great phrase. She said, uh, everything in the world of work is kind of dissolving and evolving. And, and she talked about that, you know, building into your future self sort of remember, she also used a phrase remembering your future self. So it's almost to your point, the challenge creates a huge opportunity for, for people to be very much more intentional than they ever have been about where they're going and how they're going to get there in and out of work. So it's, it's really cool time to be uh, in business and, mm. and, you know, contributing to society. Okay. A lighthearted question, or you can pick something serious up to you, but uh, that is a favorite of yours either for switching off or, or, or something I love The Last Kingdom on Netflix. I'm all about Vikings right now. I think it's really cool to escape into how people were living in the 600s, 700s, 800s in, in the UK and in Europe. So uh, that's that's really fun. And I can draw on some uh, pretty cool <laughs> business analogies when I see how those guys are rocking and rolling. Yeah. <laughs> so what's it? The Last Kingdom. 
the last kingdom. kingdom. Okay, I'll check it out. It's um yeah. something that's come up a couple of times that just makes me Peaky Blinders. Did you ever watch Peaky Blinders? Oh yeah, that was a fantastic series. Yeah, I think so series good. five got a little bit dark and heavy, but the first four I loved. And and I just love hearing people say, "Look, I love that show." And to be honest, there's some great leadership lessons in there. I'm like, yeah, that like it's just watching. Um, Gates leading the family and these really different stakeholders who want like and finding finding a solution that's a that's a, a win-win and yeah enjoy the switch off of shows like that but at the same time you're right um there's always this great because life leadership is really life it's just you know it's just one so that you always look at these people in these different in uh, in a tv show like that and a hundred percent there's stuff that you that we can learn um, and implement and I don't think people should ever feel guilty sometimes we feel like it needs to come from a really great non-fiction book to be legit but uh, I'm a big fan of um, in terms of humor the American office and oh man I just so episodes where I just want to I just think man that is that is such a great um what not to do it's just so many and they just hit the nail on the head so many times with these incredibly awkward things i've done something like that like not that level of social awkwardness but the the heart of that is actually, and uh yeah so i i learned so much from things like that yeah that is cool and there's also an argument on the science fiction side that you know, you look at some shows. I was talking to a potential uh, advisory board member last night, and we were talking about um, the Jetsons and how science fiction and, and comics and things kind of project what we could have in the future, and that there's a lot of play in that. I, so I think, I, I think any form of imagination, kind of like the theme of, of storytelling or just reframing of problems, it's it can be so valuable to everyone in whether they're in a leadership role or if they're a key individual contributor in a design team or whatever it might be, there's, there's a lot of value in just breaking away, getting some perspective. Yeah. hundred percent. Okay. Last question. This has been uh, so much fun. What, uh, if you could only give one piece of leadership advice to a young leader, what would you say to them? I would say, just be pioneering, go and go and try a whole bunch of stuff early on. Don't be afraid of uh, getting it wrong. Embrace the opportunity to learn. I, I think if, if Dan Pink said this on Friday, he's like thinking is doing and doing is thinking. There is a, mm. particularly now at a time of real change, don't overthink it. Just, just go and take action, learn from it and, and keep iterating. I think that's, that's huge. I, I think if, my early leadership uh, opportunities were in far more static and stable environments than what we're dealing with now. So I think it's more important now than ever. Yeah. I love that you mentioned that it's, it's such great advice. Um, and it's the, it's probably the biggest thing I agree for a young leader. I look back at myself and I think I just wanted to get it right. I wanted a linear path to some amazing uh, leadership role. even the, the, the most incredible, incredible things and it's never linear. linear it's never linear there's always yeah. highs and lows there's always i took that on and i don't know what i was thinking because it was crazy but i learned all of this and and so i think if i could say something to myself as a younger leader i love your advice there it's like just embrace go and pioneer 
it because yeah thinking is doing doing i love that the the so that's one of my favorite things a little quote was you know that that learning um when it comes to leadership learning is in the doing and i was like oh that's so true it doesn't matter how many books yeah. you read you j- you step into a role and it's like you probably you get the equivalent of like 10 nonfiction books of <laughs> of leadership lessons just handed to you every week because you're just working things out as as you go and it's um it's just stepping out and into the deep end absolutely well for people who've just loved um hearing a bit of your story and your advice tell us about your podcast tell us about uh where else people can find you online as well dane our podcast isn't even live. We've just started shooting the first few shows. So we're starting the Future of Teamwork podcast. It should be uh, out on the usual channels, kind of uh, Spotify and, and Apple. And uh, we'll be putting a few snippets out on LinkedIn as we get into June and July. Um, but uh, that, that's something I'm really excited about bringing out. And, and generally, you know, LinkedIn is where a lot of people in my industry live. So we're always happy to connect with people and um, share some ideas, partner up on some cool initiatives. It's it's just great to be lifting the head up and connecting with people in a time of so much change and opportunity. 100%. Love it. Uh, well, thanks to our listeners for great, great to, to chat about a whole bunch of things and hear some of Dane's story. Um, don't forget for our listeners, I also have the John O'White Leadership Podcast and the Leadership Question of the Day two places you can go to continue to invest in your leadership but i want to finish today by saying a massive thank you to you dane for being so generous with your time uh for sharing vulnerably about you know your story and i really appreciate that and yeah with as well it's been great to have you on the yeah thanks john it's been a blast really fun Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast as much as I did. If you're joining us for the first time, don't forget to check out consultclarity.org. That's our website, consultclarity.org. We have so many free resources on there, including our seven questions on leadership series. We've had more than 1,500 leaders from all over the world in all different roles, in different industries, answer these seven questions on leadership and leaders give these in-depth answers around how they spend their time, uh, a book that's been significant for them. It's just a gold mine. It's completely free to access. So go to consultclarity.org and look for that. We'd also love to interview you about your leadership. I believe your experience, your life, your context means that you have advice on leadership that other leaders can learn from. Yes, you, if you're going, not me. Well, no, I really believe you would have something to add. So if you're looking for a way to give back, it's completely free to get involved. And we would love to interview you through the seven questions on leadership. You just go to consultclarity.org forward slash seven dash questions dash interest or Google consultclarity.org seven questions interest and fill out the form and get involved. We have a free resource on our website called the Leadership Survival Guide. It's a 57-page ebook, 10 world-class leaders giving their thoughts on leadership, and that's completely free. It's available on our homepage, consultclarity.org, right at the top. So make sure you go and get that and download it today. And we have a free daily email that you can subscribe to. We send this out to over 15,000 leaders from around the world. 
and uh, it contains the highlights of content from our podcasts, our blogs, um, our books, books we're reading. It's got the best content and it gives you exclusive, limited, early access to our masterclasses, workshops, new products, special offers. It's all for our subscribers. You can go to consultclarity.org forward slash subscribe and join 15,000 other leaders. And you know, my gift to you is to work really hard, particularly through the Leadership Conversations podcast. I have been blown away by the quality of the leaders and I'm learning as much as anyone in doing these interviews. So I'm having a great time. And my gift to you is to keep lining up the best leaders I can to invest in your leadership. Your gift to me, if you're finding this helpful, there is something that you could do that would help us out massively. And that is to write a review and to leave a rating for our podcast or wherever you're watching or listening to this. I can't tell you how much that helps us out. Also subscribe or follow. It really does make a difference in helping us to help more leaders become everything they're meant to be. Another thing that means a lot to me personally is when I see our community share our content. So if you do share this or any other piece of content on social media, then thank you and and please do that. And look for me, John O'White, or clarity and tag us in your post. Our team is always looking for posts to engage with from our community. And there's also a chance that we'll share your content uh, to go beyond and share it with our followers. Last of all, you can check out my book. It's called Step Up or Step Out, How to Deal with Difficult People Even If You Hate Conflict. I wrote this book because 50% of the coaching sessions I have with leaders, this topic comes up again and again and again. And it's this idea of how do I have this difficult conversation? How do I lead this person better when I'm finding them difficult? Or in some cases you look and you say, I think I might be leading a difficult person. They're just quite difficult to lead or I'm finding them quite difficult to lead. So there's a three-step process that I unpack in step up or step out. And the amazing thing, and I've literally done this myself and I've heard it anecdotally from other leaders as I've coached them, is that if you follow this process, you will see that person step up and change their behavior or make a decision, which is to step out some of the time. Uh, 95% of the time, people will step up or step out in just four weeks. And I stand by that. It's uh, You have to read the book to understand, but uh, I really do believe in it and I've experienced it firsthand. It works. So you can go to Amazon, look up Step Up or Step Out John O'White or store.consultclarity.org forward slash book. Well, thank you so much for listening. We're going to be back with a new episode next time of the Leadership Conversations podcast. And I hope today has helped you to take another step towards becoming the leader you're meant to be. See you next time.